was rushing to finish homework when suddenly a screeching shout startled me. Julia, why did you hide the letter Ben sent me? <laughs> what? You've lost your mind, Katie. I already gave it to you. And didn't you say this guy was too ordinary for you? such a liar this ben guy tried calming her down but it was too late everyone around us was already whispering Ugh, i was not to blame for this guess what that girl putting on the poor me act is my sister katie we once were really close but suddenly boom she changed now all she does is pick a fight with me oh thank god here are my people my dance club friends only dancing could help liven up my mood right now we were happily chatting on the way to practice when suddenly Julia, where are you going? Get back to class right now. Finals week is coming. <laughs> no way. You don't know how Katie just embarrassed me in front of the whole class. I'll never go back there. Stop making excuses. Then he dragged me back to the classroom. That's Max, my overbearing older brother. His catchphrases include, Julia, where are you going? Remember to come back before 9pm. You still have lots of homework to do. Or, Julia, come back and change your clothes. The dress you're wearing is too short. You see, I'm 16, not 6. Why does he keep treating me like a child? Worse still, this semester, he decided to move to my school to be able to watch my every step or something. Ugh, it's unbearable! After school, I came home exhausted, but unfortunately, this awful day was not over yet. Dad was there waiting for me, my report card in hand. Julia, there's not even a single B on here. Those dumb equations just wouldn't stick to my head. Dad, I've tried. Tried, you say? So it has nothing to do with you skipping school to go dancing, huh? Oh no, in her hand were a bunch of pictures of me practicing. Okay then, it's about time I let my parents know about my passion anyway. I think I want to pursue something else, which is dance. No, Julia, studying is the only way. I don't care what you do, as long as your grades improve. Please learn from your brother and sister. Study, 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 study all the time! I angrily stormed upstairs and slammed shut my door. Then I heard my mom's voice whispering outside. Never mention dancing again, Julia. Give it up. That silly hobby won't do you any good. What does she know? She isn't even my actual mom. Yes, they're just mine and Max's adoptive parents. I bet if my actual mom and dad were still alive, they'd understand and not forbid me from following my dreams. But life is too cruel. As our parents died 10 years ago in a traffic accident, then Max and I were in an orphanage until we were adopted and came to live here with our adoptive parents, a biology professor, a housewife, and their daughter, Katie. After a restless night of overthinking, the next morning, I trudged through the schoolyard like a zombie. Suddenly, a tall figure crashed into me. Ouch! The guy apologized profusely. Then, he told me he hadn't been paying attention as he was too engrossed in a cool video. Oh, this is our club's dance video I posted yesterday. We immediately started chatting. So, his name is Daniel. He's a new transfer student here but already a big fan of our club. We were watching another video together when his phone screen popped up a message. Hey, are you free tomorrow night? Katie? Oh, that's definitely my sister Katie. Why does she have to appear everywhere? Anyway, after I parted ways with Daniel, I excitedly ran to the practice room to tell my friends about our new hardcore fan. I waved at them, but they just ignored me. Weird. Hey guys, what's wrong? Don't you know? Julia, yesterday your mom called everyone asking to disband the club. Your mom even blamed me for being a bad influence and distracting you from studying. So please, stay away from us from now on. What? My mom said that? How did she even know their numbers? 
you're welcome, Pumpkin. I've helped you introduce your dear friends to Mom. They seem to get along really well, don't they? Katie? Again? Why am I even surprised? I stumped after her. Then from afar, I spotted Daniel waving at her as they passed by each other. And she immediately turned on her flirty mode. Hmm, I suddenly thought of a great idea. Well, well, just wait and see, my beloved sister. <laughs> When Katie walked off, I quickly ran over to chat with Daniel, and it didn't take long for me to lure him into my trap. My friends are all going on about the new Jurassic World movie. Have you seen it? I want to watch it too, but I have no one to go with. Is that so? Actually, I was planning on seeing that movie this weekend. Let's go together. Bingo! The fish has taken the bait. Katie, you took away the one thing I love the most, and now watch me do the same to you. That Saturday night, I happily went to the cinema in a pretty dress. No sign of Daniel yet, so I got to my seat first. But... Julia, what on earth are you doing here? Oh, Katie, the prey even showed up by herself. Nice. She immediately jumped on me, accusing me of stalking and ruining her date. We argued loudly until a member of staff kicked us out. A few days later, Daniel and I met at a cafe he chose. But right away, I saw Katie at the next table. Again, she seemed to be waiting for someone. I walked over to her. You're so persistent on being a third wheel. She was so angry but couldn't say anything. I went back to the table and sat with Daniel. Huh? What? There's ketchup all over my dress! Mmm, that does it! So I lunged at her and started brawling. And here we are, at the cop station, waiting to be bailed out. As soon as mom arrived, Katie put on her waterwork sack and sobbed about how I was trying to steal away the love of her life. I couldn't be around either of them anymore, so I left with Daniel. We weren't far from the cop station when Max rushed out from nowhere. Stay away from my sister, and why would I? Then my brother punched Daniel in the face. What are you doing? It's Katie. She's the one who keeps messing with us. No, Julia. Katie is just a victim. Stop seeing this guy. Great. Now even Max was defending Katie. I helped Daniel up and left with him despite Max's calls from behind. The next day, I was putting things in my locker when I saw Max and Katie passing by, looking real close. They were whispering something to each other, as if his real sister was her, not me. Fine then, if that meant I would stop being supervised. Katie still wouldn't leave me alone though. There were countless times she squeezed between me and Daniel, laughing with him as if I didn't exist. Another time, when we were about to kiss, she jumped out of nowhere, gave Daniel a concert ticket, then the two of them left together. So annoying. Honestly, it's no longer about taking revenge on Katie anymore. I do feel happy when I'm with Daniel. He seemed to want to be with me too, but why did he just reject Katie? But at least it was me he invited to the prom this Friday. Not her. That night, I excitedly put on my prom dress, curled my hair, did my nails. Everything's all set. Daniel would be here soon. I opened the door to go downstairs when, oh no, it had been locked from outside. My parents were on vacation, so it had to be my cruel siblings. I immediately called my parents, but all I received was, You shouldn't be even thinking about prom, considering how bad your grades have been lately. Stay home and study. Right at that moment, there was the sound of an engine outside. I ran to the window and saw Katie getting into Daniel's car. I banged on the door and yelled, but only Max's voice came from outside. Julia, that guy is not good at all. Just leave this to me and Katie. Why are you on her side and not mine? Why is everyone turning their back on me? 
I felt like such an outsider in this family. So from then on, I did my best to ignore them all. I passed without a word as Max and Katie gathered around our parents after their trip. Then I stayed silently in my room, ignoring Max's call outside the door. I also tried ignoring Daniel, but he continued calling me. I think you've got the wrong number. I'm not Katie. Huh? Julia, what's wrong with you? Um, let's see. You left me alone and went to prom with Katie? Oh, that? I already saw Katie waiting as I arrived. She said you'd already left for prom with your friends. I looked for you everywhere. I was thinking about you the whole party. Gosh, Katie is taking things too far. Even my poor Daniel has to put up with her stupid tricks. Baby, what should I do to make you feel better? How about a road trip? Let's spend this weekend together, just us two. Honestly, all I need is Daniel's sweet voice to make my anger go away. I'd love that. I'm so sick and tired of being in this nightmare house. Being alone with Daniel felt amazing. After two hours of driving, we pulled up at a gas station to take a break, and he told me to pick anything I wanted. This trip is on me. I have to make it up for my princess, don't I? Oh, how did I get such a wonderful boyfriend? I stuffed my face with snacks as I waited for Daniel to return from the restroom. Hmm, what's taking him so long? Just as I was going to step outside to look for him, the cashier stopped me. I'm sorry, miss. You haven't paid for those. Also, your friend left you this. Then he gave me a bunch of papers. One of them was a note saying, Surprise! Take this as your first life lesson, honey. Don't be so gullible. If you're wondering why you deserve all this, go ask your lovely brother, Max. Dan. I stared down at the other papers. Receipts! This came to hundreds. He'd grab all these random things, including five boxes of Mountain Dew. Is this for real? How could this guy be the guy I was deeply in love with just seconds ago? I was on the verge of breaking down. But first, I still had this huge bill to pay. Oh god, where do I get the money for all this? Should I call my family for help? No, no way. I could already hear Max scolding, then my parents nagging, and Katie's scornful look. And so, I begged the store owner to let me work here to pay back the bill. It's not so bad, at least I wouldn't have to go home. But only, I kept on messing up. I clogged the slushy machine so the floor was covered in sugared ice, I knocked over the sunglasses stand while cleaning, and constantly counted change incorrectly. It was a disaster. Maybe if I'd pay more attention in math, it wouldn't be this bad. I tried everything, but all I did was create more trouble instead of paying back the money. Eventually, they kicked me out. And now, all I can do is sit at this abandoned bus stop, not knowing where to go or who to find. Thinking about my life with my family before made me tear up. If only... Suddenly, a familiar car stopped in front of me. Dad! Julia, here you are. Everyone's been frantically searching for you. I'm so glad you're okay. Why did you scare us like this? I'm sorry, Dad. Dancing is my only passion, but I knew you wouldn't accept it. No, Julia. I'd never stop you pursuing what you love. I used to think you were just making up excuses for being lazy. Right at that moment, another car pulled over. It was Max, my mom, and even Katie. What on earth are you doing? If you keep acting like this, mom and dad will kick us out. Max, why would you think such a thing? Max let go of me, then hesitantly said, I know you take education very seriously, so I always try my best at school. Julia and I are just adopted, so... Actually, I'm adopted too. I've overheard this once from mom and dad. So ever since then, I was scared they'd love Julia more than me and throw me out. 
Oh my baby, it's true. We adopted all three of you. This doesn't change a thing. You're our children and we love you all. And only wish for you to care and look out for each other. Whoa, this was all too much to take in. My emotions were all over the place and I didn't know whether to smile or cry. Secrets only make us misunderstand one another. So from now on, we won't hide anything, okay? On that note, I'm sorry, honey. Let me tell you all this one last secret that I've been keeping to myself all these years. It turned out that my adoptive mom was mine and Max's biological dad's ex. After our parents died, she offered to take us in. Our adoptive dad didn't know the story behind that, and he only knew about an ex of my adoptive mom who was a pro dancer. Mom was so afraid dad would find out about me and my brother's true identity and be angry, so she tried her best to hide my dance talent. But she never expected her husband to be this generous and understanding. So all problems were resolved and family peace was restored. Oh boy, I miss home so much. But now is not the time to go back. Us three siblings had one more important task. Expose Daniel. Can you believe that Daniel turned out to be my brother's best friend from his old school? Daniel misunderstood my brother's friendship for love, so when Max rejected him, he felt like a fool and started causing problems for Max. That's why Max transferred schools, but Daniel followed him there. Knowing Max loved his two sisters very much, he deliberately approached us both and played tricks to make us resent each other. After that time at the police station, Max told Katie about this and worked up a plan to expose Daniel. We found Daniel's current partner and invited him to meet them at a diner. Then we told him everything his boyfriend had done. Needless to say, he was so angry he finished with Daniel and exposed his true face to the whole school. Facing a barrage of criticism, Daniel was scared and apologized to the three of us and promised to make up for it. Well, now that I have a happy family, I can freely pursue my dance passion. What else do I need? Just looking at Daniel being subservient is enough to satisfy me. <laughs>Hi, my name is Kira, and recently, memory lapses almost ruined my life. Now I'm back to normal and remember almost everything with ease. Well, my memory problems didn't start at birth. All junior high and first years of high school, I remembered absolutely everything. I was a great student, memorized stuff easily, and even helped my friends with their lessons. Kira has a phenomenal memory, the teacher said. She can memorize long poems, formulas, and dates very quickly. You have to use that ability. My parents were thrilled. They complimented me all the time and said that they had high hopes for my amazing memory. I won school competitions. I was the best in my class and even in the whole school. However, my triumph didn't last long. If in junior high school, they still wanted to be friends with me because I was the smartest, then in high school, of course, I had my detractors. Those of you who are at least once the best at something know how it is. One day you get a round of applause, and the next day they're calling you names behind your back. That's exactly what happened to me. My first enemy was Olivia. We went to different schools in junior high, and she was the best at hers. Now she had a rival in my person. At first, Olivia took my progress as a challenge. Kira, congratulations, you did the best on the test. My teacher complimented me one day. Olivia snorted loudly and hissed, leaning toward her friend. Big deal, one time. Let's see who's the best next week. 
But next week too, my test was judged the best. And next week, and the next week. That's how Olivia knew I wasn't just a misunderstanding, but a real competitor and an enemy. One day, a classmate caught me in the school hallway, pinned me against the wall and blurted it out. Listen you, if you think you're the smartest, I hasten to disappoint you. I've collected every award in my school, and I'm going to do it again. But what can I do if I have a perfect memory? I shrugged my shoulders. Just admit it that you're number two now, that's all. Olivia recoiled from me and stared wide-eyed. She looked like I'd punched her in the face. Number two? We'll see about that. I would do anything to make my parents proud. And the classmate wasn't lying. I wasn't too worried at the time. What's she gonna do? Kill me? That's ridiculous. I didn't even tell my parents about the story, but Olivia was determined. She and her friends were going to teach me a lesson. The girls broke into my locker, stuffed it full of books, and broke the lock. When I tried to open the locker door to put my things, it didn't open right away. I pulled the door as hard as I could. It flew open, and a ton of heavy books and textbooks fell on my head. In fact, that was the beginning of the worst chapter of my life. After the blows on my head, I lost consciousness. I didn't know what kind of books those bitches had put in there. Probably all the volumes of a medical encyclopedia. I woke up already in the hospital. The first thing I saw were my parents' upset faces. Kira, my mother exclaimed. How are you feeling, honey? What happened? I couldn't remember anything at all. My parents told me about the locker in the books. The doctors reassured my parents. They said it was just a minor bruise and that it wouldn't affect my life in any way. For about an hour, my mom and dad calmed me down and promised me I'd be home in a couple of days. You need more sleep now, he said. Dad stroked my head. We'll definitely visit you tomorrow. But at that moment, I suddenly looked at my parents fearfully and asked, Where am I? What happened? And that's when mom and dad realized that the bruise wasn't so minor. Yes, I had blackouts. And they reoccurred so often that every hour, my parents had to from the beginning to tell me where I was and what had happened. The doctors were just throwing up their hands. They took all the necessary x-rays and found nothing wrong. From that moment on, however, my life changed completely. At first, my parents still hoped that returning to my familiar surroundings would help me with my memory lapses. However, on the first day I had a real tantrum, when I suddenly found myself in the middle of the school hallway. I had completely forgotten how I woke up this morning, how I was going to school, and I didn't remember the way to school either. No, schooling is out of the question, said a worried dad. Only distance learning. But distance learning wasn't going to do any good either. Once I had learned something, within an hour, I couldn't remember anything I'd learned. That's how my successes ended. And most importantly, I didn't know who had set up the textbook incident. I vaguely remember disturbing Olivia's life, but I couldn't remember our last conversation or anything that might have pointed to a classmate. But I was sure that one day I would remember everything and find the culprit that was phenomenal. My memory would now be considered by the Dory Fish. About a week after, I switched. After I switched to homeschooling, someone rang our doorbell. I went downstairs and froze. Standing on the doorstep was Olivia and her friends. My mom, who had opened the door for guests, I think she was confused too. I'd been sick the whole time. None of my classmates or school friends had ever come to see me. Oh, that's right. I don't have any friends. Kira, how are you feeling? We came to check on you. 
Olivia seemed very sincere, and so did the girls who decided to keep her company, seemed pretty friendly. I sensed some kind of unease, but I couldn't figure out what I didn't like. My mother invited my classmates into the house. She set the table and we all sat down for tea. You really don't remember anything at all? Olivia asked me thoughtfully. I remember things until I black out. I don't remember much since then, since I came to my senses. I explained. What do the doctors say? Will your memory come back? My mom explained to the girls that the doctors are trying to help me. But so far, the therapy is having very little effect. The girls were relieved and looked at each other. I was very pleased that they cared about me. However, by the end of the tea party, I had lost some of my memory again. Olivia? Girls? What are you doing here? I stared at the guests in surprise, and they stared at me. Your friends are here to see you, said my mother patiently. Friends? I don't remember having any friends at all. Olivia suddenly jumped to me and took my hand. Of course we're friends, Kira. You're so good, and you're about to be the best in school again. The girl almost cried, and I smiled back at her. Weird. My scrappy memories were telling me that she and I were major enemies. But how could an enemy care so much? I must have got it all wrong. One morning, my mother left me home alone. She needed to get to the office right away. I'll sign the papers and be right back, honey. Don't worry, I smiled. I'll just lie down and watch the show. Nothing will happen. But about 15 minutes after mom left, the doorbell rang. I had to go downstairs and open it. There was Olivia on the doorstep. Hi, Kira. I took the afternoon off from class and I thought, why don't we go for a walk together? You probably don't get out of the house at all. Yeah, I rarely went out and I only went out with my parents. We were always in a hurry to get back before I'd forgotten everything again. I don't even know. It was scary to leave home without my mom and dad, but Olivia was my friend. We'll just go for a ride in the park and come back. I got changed, got on my friend's bike, and we rode. We rode quite a long time. I was beginning to get worried. In general, I remembered my neighborhood, but at some point I realized I didn't recognize the houses and cafes we were passing. Aren't we far away? I got worried. No, we're right down the street. Olivia smiled. You poor thing, your memory lapses. I calmed down. Yes, it was probably my memory that was playing tricks on me again. Finally, we stopped. I got off the bike and looked around. There were only abandoned houses and deserted streets around. This isn't a park. I think I took a wrong turn. Olivia was puzzled. Let me ask someone for directions, because my phone is dead. The phone! I forgot all about it! My cell phone is on the bed in my room. I must hurry back in case my mother comes looking for me. Stay here and don't go anywhere, my friend told me and drove around the corner. And then I lost my memory again. I found myself in the middle of an unfamiliar street with no memory of how I got here. I was in such a panic. What am I going to do now? Where are my parents and where is my home? Why didn't I have my phone with me and where had all the people gone? Crying, I sat down on the sidewalk. Hey, miss. I looked up and saw a man. He was looking out the window of his car, coming out of nowhere. Is something wrong? I'm lost. I don't know where I am or how to get home. Wow. Do you remember your address? I'll give you a lift. The man seemed friendly enough. He got out of the car and headed towards me. But then my memory, which had failed me time and again, reminded me of maniacs and murderers who also look nice and then lure their victims into a trap. Stay away from me! 
I screamed at the top of my lungs. Miss, I'm a policeman. The man went to his pocket for some reason. I thought for sure he was going to kill me. So I jumped up and ran down the street as far as I could see. But I didn't run for long. I tripped on the uneven pavement and fell down, hitting my head as hard as I could. I woke up again in the hospital. And again, my parents were leaning over me. Kira! My mother was crying now. Did you find me? That's good. I went with Olivia and I got lost and that man. You remember everything? Yes. After another stroke, my memory magically came back to me. And now I remember everything. The feud with Olivia and her threats and how she showed up at my house pretending to be my friend. Sometimes people cross the line to be the best they can be. Like Olivia, trying to get her parents' approval. She went completely off the rails. My classmate was just trying to teach me a lesson by doing that prank with the textbooks. But when I lost my memory, I realized I overreacted. It's one thing to have a bump, but it's another to lose consciousness and amnesia. Olivia was afraid of getting kicked out of school for that prank, or even go to jail. So she first made sure I remembered very little, and then decided to play it safe and take me away to another neighborhood, leaving me alone. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I don't know what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for that policeman. Even on his day off, he couldn't get past a damsel in distress. Olivia didn't go to jail, but now she has to work with a psychologist all the time. And I'm back to being the best student ever. If you were me, would you forgive Olivia? Be sure to share your thoughts in the comments below this clip. I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me, but the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again, disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen. And lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago. And not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames. But that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. 
Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things, that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face, and then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. Mm -hmm. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes, how should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked, distortion, strange visions? The man mm -hmm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me and the doctor mm -hmm. examined my eyes for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, there's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked <clears throat> Michael to help me. Michael was a hey! friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. I don't know. It's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, Michael <gasps> said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, <gasps> why don't we find a back room where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Oh. 
Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was crammed, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, Yeah. I agreed, but then I added, Shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked, Well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty, and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patients' records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light, and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped, and then he called out loudly, There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly, there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight, and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked, and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, Hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office, walked down the hallway towards the stairs, so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs, 
Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us, but he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and dad were worried because I never came home from school. But I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends.